Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, welcome everybody to church. We are so glad you're here. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope. I want to give a warm welcome to everybody with us online. Did you know the vast majority of our church is online with us worshiping? So we welcome you. Let's welcome everybody online. We're glad you're here with us. It's good to see you all. So welcome West Campus. Welcome online. Welcome to also everybody who was previously attending our noon service here. Yes, church does happen before it's sometime p.m. It does happen in the a.m. Uh, we made the decision this week to just temporarily postpone and discontinue our noon service um, because you know what? COVID makes life iffy and fluid. Has anybody else experienced the fluidity that COVID does? And so that's really what this is. This is just, it's made things fluid. We're temporarily discontinuing the noon service until maybe we get back to a little bit more normalcy. Hopefully we'll be back here in the near future. So if you used to attend the noon service and you're here with us, welcome. We're glad you're joining us. Or if you're streaming online, you used to attend it and you can still do that online at noon, but we're glad that you are here with us today. So we are going to be starting a brand, or not, (laughs) hello, more coffee. We're finishing a sermon series today that we're calling Attitude of Gratitude. So if you haven't already, go ahead and open up your uh, your app on your phone for the COH app for sermon notes. Maybe get your phone ready with your Bible, whatever you want to do. Uh, we're going to be finishing our sermon series today. We're calling The Attitude of Gratitude, and we're excited to finish it today. And uh, I think God has something to say for all of us here in this place. Now, we're excited about that. We think that this is really important to talk about because what we've been saying over the past several weeks is that this is really important to learn the value, the practice, the disposition of gratitude. And not just because it's Thanksgiving in just a couple days and you're going to eat turkey or deep fried turkey or pork or tofurkey, you know, whatever it is that you eat on Thanksgiving. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we're just, whatever it is, it's not just because it's Thanksgiving time, but because God through human authors in the scriptures talks about the value of gratitude, not just when life is great, but when life is hard, right? And life has been a little difficult. Like the year 2020 has been a little bit of a challenge. My favorite thing to say is, the phrase or the word or words to call 2020, just the way we could put a banner over the whole year is this, these words, dumpster fire, right? Right, totally. Global pandemic, economic meltdown, uh, political gridlock, racial tensions and riots, all in an election year, total dumpster fire, right? It's been a little bit of a challenge. Now, I think 2020 did the most 2020 thing thus far this year, and I think 2020 did it to us this week, actually. I want to show you a picture. How many of you know of the famous Christmas tree that goes up at Rockefeller Center, right? Amazing, yeah. So here it is from 2019. Ooh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Before, man, in the old world, when we could shake hands, And in the old world, when we didn't have to wear masks everywhere, how about that? This is what the Christmas tree looked like in 2019. Well, the tree this year for 2020 was delivered this week, and this is what it looks like. Oh, 2020 strikes again. Oh, no. You got to be kidding me. What is going on in New York? You know what? This, I know this. I've seen this tree before. It's this one, right? Yeah, right? 
So let's all say it, say it with me. 2020, what's the word? Dumpster fire. Right, total dumpster fire. Over here has been a little bit of a challenge. And that's the point of this series. If life is hard, it's been hard for everybody in varying degrees this year. But even for those of you where life might be really hard this year, this sermon series is for you. Attitude of gratitude. Why? Because learning how to practice gratitude is most important, not when life is great, but when life is hard and challenging. That's what we're talking about. Now, we've talked about many things over the past uh, two weeks. We encourage you to go listen to them online. The, the talks, they're, they're, they're on YouTube, they're on our podcast, on our CUH app. Go check them out, however you go do that. Um, but here's where we're at today. I think what we've talked about the past couple weeks is helpful, it's good advice, it's solid teaching, but really, at the end of the day, a lot of people go, that's great I don't know what that looks like. Like everybody who's here wants to do life well. No one is here or streaming with us online because you don't care about how life goes. You want to learn how to do life well, to do life better. And eventually that desire leads to, I not only want to learn how to do life well, I want to learn how to do life the Jesus way. I want to learn how to become a follower. I want to be apprenticed by Jesus. And that's what ultimately we're talking about in here. And there's a lot of folks, we all come from different backgrounds and different situations, and all of us are trying to navigate towards a better future, walking in the Jesus way. And there's lots of people I talk to who go, I want to have a good marriage. I don't even know what that looks like. I want to date somebody who loves Christ and have a God-honoring relationship as we're trying to find a future person that I want to be married to. I don't even know what that looks like. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a faithful dad. I want to work hard. I want to know what it's like to have friends. I've never even seen it. Help, um, help me figure that out. I'm not sure if any of you have ever felt the way. I'm such a visual learner, an example-based learner. I need to see something to get it. And that's what we're talking about today in this message. If you want to know what it looks like to have an attitude of gratitude practically in your life, that's what we're talking about today. And we can follow the example of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, great. Go ahead and open it now. Most everybody is reading their Bibles on their phones right now. So you can go ahead and open up the Bible app. If you have it, it's free. To Colossians chapter 3, it's in the New Testament. And uh, we were there two weeks ago. It's also in your sermon notes on the COH app. Or if you don't have any of that, don't worry about that. We'll put it all on the screen. You're okay. So we're in Colossians chapter 3. And this is where we've been for a couple weeks. Our theme verse is here. And we took a deeper look at this passage two weeks ago. We're returning to it again today to see what the Apostle Paul has fresh for us practically what this looks like to have an attitude of gratitude. So we're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12. Feel free to follow along. It says this here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
And then we're going to continue on in verse 23. Whatever you do, whether, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay, so the title of today's message is called Whatever. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, we honor you in this place. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as we sang just a few moments ago, we thank you that your presence is here, and we want to be hospitable to you, and we welcome you here. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. And, Lord, as we open the scriptures to read them and to examine them and to learn from them, we know that this book is different than any other book. And so as we read it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you cause it to read us today? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We ask this in the wonderful, merciful, loving name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so just for a quick refresher for you, because we've talked about this passage a little bit the past several weeks. Here is what we said a few weeks ago about this very passage. This was written by the Apostle Paul and his protege, Timothy, in the year 62 AD. This is after the book of Acts, which if you're new to the Bible, the New Testament book of Acts is a uh, chronological narrative uh, book of the Bible that talks about how the message of Jesus spread from 120 followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, how it, it began to explode all over the known world at that time, all across the Roman Empire. So this is after the events of the book of Acts. Paul is writing from Rome. Um, he is writing to a church in a city named Colossae because a man heard Paul preaching uh, in a city that was not the city. Epaphras heard Paul preach in a different town, was compelled by the message of hope that's found in Jesus. Epaphras said yes to following him after hearing Paul preach, and Epaphras went to his hometown, not Paul, to share the message of hope with Jesus. He started a church there. It began to grow. Amazing things were happening. Epaphras has now written back to Paul for advice on some things that are going on in their community. Paul is addressing it as a spiritual leader. And here we find ourselves in chapter 3 where Paul is talking about the value and benefit of gratitude for our hearts, our spirits, our spiritual lives, as well as every sphere of life. And this is where we find ourselves today. So I want you to see one observation as we begin today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and put on the screen Colossians 3, verse 17. This is our theme verse, actually, for the series that we're working on memorizing as a church. But we're going to go ahead and look at it here. And it says, whatever you do, there it is. So if you're taking notes, underline or circle or highlight or whatever you do, underline that word, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, for those of you with teenage daughters, this is not ugh, whatever, Okay. It's not meant to be sarcastic. It's not meant to have an eye roll to it. Thank God I do not have this yet at my house. I have two daughters. My youngest one is Susanna. She is one and a half. And she only knows three words. She knows Pooh Bear, Puppy, and Papa for my dad. She can't even say Mama or Dad Dad yet, but she can say Pooh Bear. How do you think that makes me feel? <laughs> Pooh Bear, Puppy, Papa. But she has learned to say no with her neck, okay? Susanna, give daddy a kiss. 
Susanna, give daddy a hug. <laughs> Susanna, get down from the bookshelf. <laughs> we have that. So pray for me one day when my daughters are old enough to do that and roll their eyes and ugh, whatever, dad. Uh, that will not be a good day. Pray for me. But this is actually not what Paul is talking about when it's whatever. He's not meaning it sarcastically. He, there's no eye roll with it. He's just meaning it to describe what he's talking about. And he's meant to have, it's a word where he's trying to have an all-encompassing word. So you see it there on verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. So you see like he's trying to draw a huge circle around a scope of life to contextualize this teaching and this concept he's trying to communicate to the church in Colossae, to the Colossian Christians. This is what he is talking about. That there is a huge scope of life that we are supposed to do in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. There's a huge circle of life that he has drawn around, or a huge circle he has drawn around our lives where we're supposed to have an attitude of gratitude. Now, how in the world do you apply that practically? What does that look like? Well, I think there are three keys from the passage today that I think are helpful, that will be very practical, that should cover almost every area of life for you. I'm just going to tell them to you now. Here's what we're going to be talking about the rest of our time today. We're going to be talking about your work. We're going to be talking about your relationships. We're going to be talking about your stuff. I know. I'm eloquent. I went to seminary. How about that? That's what I get. Your stuff. Your work, your relationships, your stuff. What does it look like to have an attitude of gratitude in each one of these areas of life? Let's dive in. So let's talk about your work. Your work. What does it look like to have an attitude of gratitude in your work. Paul gives the previous verses, or we're going to read here from verse 23 and 24. Go and put that on the screen. Right before Paul jumps into these, he gives a list of rules for ancient uh, world households. Now, there are different roles, and we're in a different world today, but he gives some rules for what it's like in different uh, areas of life, and then he concludes with this here in verse 23, and this is what he has to say. He says, whatever, oh, see, there it is again. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So there's, this is the principle I want you to get. This is not in your notes. This is not going to be on the screen. I'm just telling you this. This is kind of what Paul is saying. Here's the, the nugget of truth in it, um, is that when he's talking about this idea around your work, he's trying to communicate who you think you work for. Follow me. He's trying to communicate who you think you work for determines how you do your work. You catch that? Who you think you work for determines how you do your work. Now, everybody has a boss. Everybody does. Uh, whether you have a job or not, everybody's under some type of authority. We're held accountable to some group of people. Um, let's say um, you work for um, a company or you, you do have a boss, you work for them or your supervisor or whatever. Let's say you own your own company. Well, I'm my own boss, right, but you work for your customers. They're your bosses in a lot of ways. Um, let's say, well, I don't have a job. Yeah, but you might be serving your family. Everybody is accountable to somebody. And if you've created a world where you're accountable to nobody, that's probably not a good thing. You're probably isolated. Just a thought. Um, most everybody has this. Some people have great bosses. Anybody here ever had a really great boss? Yeah? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever had a bad boss? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Um, everybody's had this experience, good leaders, bad leaders. Did you know that studies say the number one reason why people will stay at a job or leave a job, the number one reason, like many, many different reasons, the number one reason if somebody stays or leaves is because of management. That's true. We all know that. So this is important. This is important here. And what Paul is trying to tell all of us and to tell me and to tell you is that, believe it or not, the best boss, if you're a Christ follower, is Jesus. And if you're not yet a Christ follower, that's okay. This does not apply to you yet. Jesus isn't going to declare to you that he's your boss if you haven't agreed to follow him yet. So you can just lessen in on this. For those of us who are Christ followers, Jesus is a great boss. He is the best boss, the best leader I have ever followed. And I've had great leaders I follow. Pastor Dale is a great leader, and he's a great friend. I've had other great leaders in my life. I've had some not-so-great leaders in my life. I've had more good ones than bad ones. And let me tell you, Jesus is the best. I read this morning a passage of Scripture where Jesus invited people. Listen to this if your boss ever told you this. Come to me if you are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And if you follow me, you'll find rest. That sounds like a great boss, doesn't it? So I'm going to dump more on you. Jesus is the one who says, follow me. And when you work for me, you'll find life. Man, that's awesome. Jesus is a great leader. He's a great boss. And so what Paul is trying to say is this, that if you follow Jesus... He's wonderful, and he's not just the boss of you at church or when you do quote-unquote spiritual things. Jesus is a great boss in even the mundane, normal things of life. Let me tell you an example. In 1651, there was a middle-aged, injured French soldier named Nicholas Herman, and he was broken and burnt out on life, and so what do you do when you're broken and burnt out in the 1650s when you're living in France? I know. He joined a monastery in Paris. He became a monk. That's what you do. And so he joined a, a Carmelite monastery in Paris. And apparently when you become a monk and you join a, a monastery to change your whole lifestyle, you change your name. He went from being called Lawrence to being called, uh, wait, no, yeah. No, 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 I changed it. From his name was Nicholas. Haha, here it is. Nicholas, he changed his name to Brother Lawrence. See how I mixed that up there? Yep. So he changed his name to Brother Lawrence when he joined this monastery, which I don't know what gives. Like when I came to Community of Help, nobody told me I could change my name. Like I totally would go by Brother Beard, but whatever. Okay. So, um, so anyway, and he thought, I know. I'm injured. I'm hurt. I'm depressed. I'm going to join a monastery. I'm going to get to pray all day and do spiritual things all day, and this will fix everything. I can leave the world behind. And he joined the monastery, and they immediately assigned him his job in the monastery. You know what his job was? For the rest of his life, you're the dishwasher. Not like, okay, on Tuesdays you wash the dishes. No, your job, you're the dishwasher. Right? Right? Can you imagine the disappointment? Like the air went out of that balloon real quick. And so here is the now brother Lawrence scrubbing pots and pans. Like, what am I doing with this menial work? I joined this to grow closer to God. What have I done? And eventually over time, he began to learn 
that the presence of God was meeting him, not just in the sanctuary when he was doing prayers with the other monks or whatever monks do, but the presence of God was joining him with the pots and the pans and the soap and the water. And even in the menial stuff, he learned that God's presence is here. It's not just there. And he learned how to live a life of worship, even doing kitchen work and cleaning and scrubbing. And he began to call it, I've learned how to practice the presence of God. And in fact, I bet when he was scrubbing these pots and pans, not only was he saying, Jesus, you are here with me. And he would feel close to God even in this. And then he would probably begin to say things like, in Jesus, this pot I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning it for you. For you and your glory, Jesus. Jesus, this is the cleanest pot the world has ever seen. For you and for your glory. Not for my supervisor. For you and for your glory. And it brought... Peace, presence, and gratitude to his life. Later on, Brother Lawrence, a villager would come and visit him in the kitchen, and he, they would just share stories, and Brother Lawrence would tell him about all he was learning, about how to grow closer to God and closer to God's presence, even in the scrubbing and cleaning of pots and pans in the kitchen. And this villager wrote some of these things down. This villager wrote the book, put it in Brother Lawrence's name, and this little book got published. And for 400 years, the wisdom of a dishwasher in Paris has helped Christians all over the world, millions of people, to learn how to experience the closeness of Jesus in the mundane things of life and not the quote-unquote spiritual. Pretty powerful. One of my first jobs was being a dishwasher and a busser at Chili's. Who loves Chili's? Baby back ribs, skillet, queso, mm, so good, right? Yeah, some people are going to Chili's after church today. <laughs> um, and uh, anybody here work at Chili's? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, you get pico de gallo, guac, and sour cream stuck right here in your nasal cavity. You just got to smell coffee to get it go away. And, um, and so anyway, I was learning to be a dishwasher and a buster, and this idea of Jesus is my boss, even in the mundane, not the spiritual stuff, got into my heart and my life as a young man. And let me tell you, like some of my other bosses, some of the other ones were sketchy. But I didn't know that I was bussing tables to the glory of God and for Jesus. Because even if my manager can't see me bussing tables, Jesus could see if I clean in between the bench and the back of the booth. He'll see if I do it or not, even if my manager doesn't. And man, I became great at my job. I cleaned, I, I was faster, I was more thorough, I was joyful, I was grateful, I got promoted and got raises because, why? Not because I was outworking everybody else, it's because I was working for my, my real boss, Jesus. He's the best boss. So how do you have an attitude of gratitude at work? Serve Jesus and nobody else. So whether you're in construction or you're in repairs, maybe you're a student and you do schoolwork. Maybe you do sales or you're in customer service or you're a teacher or you practice medicine or you change diapers or you answer phones or you cut grass. Whatever you do, Jesus, this is for you. And gratitude will come to you. That's the first thing. That's your work. So what else about life? Well, what else encompasses us is really what we do for our work and what we spend our time with, but also it's our relationships. So we see what gratitude looks like in our relationships also from this passage. Now check this out. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. 
And Paul said here, like we've already read, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, what in the world does this have to do with gratitude? Good question. Let me show you a picture. This is, uh, I, was, I had the privilege of performing a wedding this past weekend in uh, the hills of North Georgia. And here's a shot from the ceremony. Yeah, too bad it wasn't pretty outside, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is probably the prettiest wedding I will ever get to perform. As far as scenic wedding shots I will ever get to do, it's probably all downhill from here. <laughs> but this is the wedding of Mr. and Mrs. Andrew and Annie Bogani, who met at a Bible study in my house. My couch is anointed to have people meet and fall in love and get married in Jesus' name. Okay. And uh, man, it was just a beautiful ceremony. I'm so happy for them and celebrate them. And I think, you know, hopefully you're watching online today. Hey guys, it's great to even be with you like this. And, um, uh, and one of the fascinating things they did in their wedding was they chose, instead of a more traditional wedding passage like 1 Corinthians 13, they chose Colossians 3 as the passage for their wedding. And they even had it on signs all the way down the aisle, like here's one of them where Paul says, bear with one another and forgive each other. How profound is that, that they chose passages on clothing yourself with love and learning how to forgive one another? That was their wedding passage. That's powerful. What an awesome example, not just of love, but the power of love expressed in forgiveness. I thought it was very wise of them. I was very proud of them. Now, this is important for gratitude. It's very important for gratitude. Uh, Jesus one time told a story that's often called the parable of the unmerciful servant, but I think you can just as accurately call it the parable of the ungrateful servant. And here's the story. It comes from Matthew 18. Jesus told the story like, you know, once upon a time, there was a king. And this king decided to settle accounts with some of his servants. And so he called one servant in, and he said, okay, let's settle your debt. Because this servant, get this, was in debt to the king 20 years worth of wages. 20 years worth of your wages. That's easily six to seven figures of income, depending on how much or how little you make. That's crazy. Like this dude needed Dave Ramsey real bad, okay? So he's in super debt. The king comes and says, hey, um, time to settle your accounts. I would like my money back. And the dude says, who keeps that kind of cash on him? King, I have no hope of paying you back. I, I can't pay you. And the king said, okay, in, those, in that ancient world, what you did, you didn't declare bankruptcy. What you did was the king took all your stuff. It was now his. He was going to sell it all. And he had the right to take you and your family and sell everybody into slavery to pay back the debt. Can you imagine and so the man does what any of us would do, fell on his knees, begged the king, please, please, please have mercy. Please give me more time. I'll pay everything back. And this good, kind king saw this man pleading and begging for mercy. It's like, you, you know what? Just forget it. I, I'm going to, let's wipe out your debt. You don't have to pay any back. Your debt, free. Go in peace. Go home. Meet with your family. It's going to be okay. What a great king, right? Merciful, kind. Could you imagine being forgiven six figures of debt like that? Unbelievable. And so the man goes, the servant goes, and later that very same day, runs into a friend of his, another servant, who also owes him money. And between friends, these two servants, the one guy, the, his friend who he ran into, owes him one day's worth of wages. We're talking like a hundred or a couple hundred bucks, depending on how much you make, Right? It's still, it's a good chunk of change, but it's not 20 years. 
And so he says, hey, I would like my money. His friend says, I can't pay you back. Give me more time. And the servant says, that's it. And threw him in jail until he could get all the money. Unbelievable hypocrisy, right? It was like the same day. Dude, do you not remember what just happened to you? So word gets back to the king. And the king is furious. He's hot about it. And pulls this ungrateful servant into his presence and said, have you lost your mind? Did you easily forget exactly how much I just forgave you? And so what he did was he then threw that servant in the jail and had him tortured till he could pay back everything he owed. Wow. Now when Jesus tells a parable, it's always for a point. Like, what is the point of the parable he's trying to teach? He's trying to convey what it's like from heaven's perspective when we refuse to forgive someone else. Like, in light of all that God has forgiven us, the moral indebtedness we all have, because we're all sinners, fall short of the glory of God. Your church is led by two sinners. I hate to break it to you. And when... <laughs> When we have all fallen so short and God forgives all of that, when we will not forgive another person, what that looks like to God is major hypocrisy. Like, you've interpreted this passage correctly if you're reading it and go, I think Jesus is trying to tell me that I'm a little bit of a jerk. Correct. <laughs> you've interpreted that rightly. Now, Jesus loves you very, very much. He's not angry calling you a jerk. We're all a little bit of a jerk, but there's grace and mercy for that. And what he's trying to show us is, it's huge hypocrisy, guys. When we refuse to forgive the way somebody has offended us or hurt us in light of all that God has done for us. And there's a dire warning in the passage where it's not just peeves God. There's also a warning of judgment attached to it. And we should all respond with, Holy fear around those things. Like, ooh, Jesus is really serious about this. Now, let me just be gentle here as a pastor. Forgiveness is hard. Some of you, um, some I shouldn't say you, us, some of us just need to learn to forgive for petty things we've been offended by. And others of us have been deeply wounded by serious evil someone else has done to us. I know that, I understand that, and so does Jesus. Forgiveness, it's a choice. It's also a process. Forgiveness doesn't make what the other person did right by any means. And forgiveness doesn't mean that they're off the hook. It just means you're taking them off of your hook and forgiving them as God has forgiven you. So what does gratitude actually look like in your relationships? Well, the Apostle Paul is very clear. It's who do you need to forgive today that you've hold on to the hurt and the pain? And you just need to release it. That's what gratitude looks like in your relationships. Who is it? Okay, so we have our work. We have our relationships. And lastly, we just have our stuff. Gratitude um, involves our stuff. Our finances, our possessions, our stuff. We need to look at what gratitude looks like with that. So... Let's look at verse 17 just one last time. So we already looked at whatever you do, whatever. But then Paul says this, whether in word or deed. And this is an important concept all throughout the New Testament. 
where oftentimes authors will take the ideas of what we say with our words, of what we proclaim with our faith, has to be matched with our deeds, with our actions. Now, we know the scriptures are totally clear. People are not saved by doing good deeds, and we're not saved by good works. We're not, nobody is. We're saved by faith in Jesus alone. And your faith in Jesus is demonstrated by what you do with your actions at the same time, okay? So this is an important thing, and often it's described as what you do in love for others and help in service of others for those in need, those who are marginalized, and those who are the poor in our communities. It's both, right? Make sense? The early Christians, the first Christians in Acts chapter 2, they were renowned for this. They were renowned for this. Their way that they handled their stuff in word and deed changed the Roman Empire and threw the whole thing completely upside down and changed the world. They not only would give financially in their generosity to God's purposes and to people in need in the world, but on top of that, they held their possessions in common. It said they held everything in common. That they looked at all of their stuff, they said, well, this is all God's anyway. And not only that, they would give to anybody who had need. If somebody had need, they would not only give to it or give something that they had, they would go and sell their stuff. Like ancient Israelite offer up or Facebook marketplace or like, you know, I don't know, Craigslist or whatever they did then. And they would sell it. And not like, I go to Goodwill to get rid of stuff and donate. Like, we're getting rid of things. Not that. Valuable things they would sell and take the money and give to the cause of the person in need. Is that awesome or what? Right? It's one thing where it's challenging enough in our culture to learn how to give generously with our finances. It's another to treat all of our stuff and to hold it open-handed with God, and they tell us so clearly in all the scriptures that there's a direct correlation between our generosity with our stuff. And watch this. With generosity, it's connected to how your, your level of gratitude is. They're connected totally together. You'll find that the people who are less open-handed with their stuff are also less grateful. But the people who are the most open-handed with their stuff are some of the most grateful people I've ever met in my life. Haven't you seen that? I want to end today with um, a personal note. Um, So I want to show you a picture on the screen. And this is my brother, Graham, and his beautiful wife, Nina, and their two sweet girls who are my nieces, Breland and Ashlyn. And uh, in the Johnston family, um, it's, been, uh, it's been a very tough six, seven weeks. Um, last month, Nina got um, diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Yeah, and um, it's been difficult, to say the least. Um, it was her first breast cancer diagnosis, so this hasn't been progressing. It's, this is how she found out. And um, it's knocked the wind out of our family. And it's been hard. So when 
we say from up here that gratitude is really important, not when life is going great, but when life is hard. One, we mean it. And two, I need it. I'm preaching to myself, right? And, um, and God's been showing up in huge ways, in huge ways. Um, my brother and sister-in-law are my heroes. My brother is the best man I've ever met. He's the living George Bailey. <laughs> he is. That's who he is. And um, Nina's faith and confidence in Jesus and trust in him, like she's, she's just publicly, publicly saying all the time, like, I'm not asking God why. I'm just saying, Lord, whatever this is, don't waste it. They're leaning in with such grace and trust and faith. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. It's powerful. And they're walking with gratitude. Um, Now, obviously, I'm not here just to tell you guys to be praying for my family, but I am. Uh, We we would covet your prayers for my sister-in-law, Nina. Um, but I'm here to talk about them, not as, please pray for them, but as an example of what we're talking about. And I'm not even talking about them. I want to talk about their church community in Tampa and what's happening with their fellow Christ followers at Harborside Christian Church in Clearwater, Florida. It's a great church, or Safety Harbor, Florida, excuse me. Um, we're talking about word and deed. Here's what they're doing. They're showing up in words and in prayers and in prompt worship services and healing prayer times. And man, they are showing up countless cards and texts and phone calls. On the picture that I had on the screen, uh, that alone on Facebook had 500 comments, not likes, comments on of people supporting her. I mean, it's unbelievable what people are saying with their words for Graham and Nina. But they're showing up with their deeds. And they're showing up with open hands. Oh, Jesus, all of our stuff is yours. Use it however you want. And the way that my brother and sister have been a recipient of this kind of Christ-like gratitude around our stuff is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. They have meals prepped for them for three months. And this isn't like the pastors of their church telling churches. This is just their friends that they built in the community that they built rising up to do this. They have meals for three months. Somebody started a GoFundMe for them. It's funded at 156% already. Um, uh, There are things that people have done with like gifts and gift cards and ways that they provided for them to help with income replacement, all sorts of stuff. And there are things I can't even say publicly what God has done that is just crazy, mind-blowing what the power of Christ followers do when they just go, Jesus, it's all yours. How do you want us to love on people and love our community? It's unreal. It's unreal. Uh, just yesterday, they had people come over to the house, lay hands on the house, pray for their house. Very cool words. Today, it's a community challenge. Everyone's showing up with a string of lights, and they're decorating their house for Christmas, and they're going to Griswold the Johnstons. <laughs> Deeds. Stuff. See what I mean? And um, I had this written down. I don't want to forget this. Obviously, I'm a words person. I'm a preacher for crying out loud. Um, But look at how much love is poured out 
when people hold their stuff open-handed in gratitude to God. You know what happens when people do this with our stuff? Say, Jesus, it's yours. How can I love on people through, how can you love on people through me? People get loved on and cared for, and Jesus gets glory, and you grow in gratitude. So, what does gratitude look like? It looks like working for Jesus. He's your boss, not that other person. He's the one you work for. He's the one who encourages you. He's the one who fills you up. He's the one who can correct you without breaking you. He's the one who can lead you into the path you were created for. It looks like forgiving people in your life who've hurt you because you know of the enormity of all that God has poured out on you through Jesus. It looks like holding all your stuff, your money, your possessions, whatever, and saying, Jesus, you gave this to me in the first place, and as a thank you to you, I offer it all to you to use to bless people through me. Here's the question. Which one of these is Jesus asking you to take a step of faith in this season and to grow in gratitude? He's here to grow it in you if you'd let him. Let's pray. Jesus, we worship you. We say thank you. If you did nothing else for us but what you did on the cross where you died in our place for our sins and you rose from the dead for our justification and life, that would be enough. You don't owe us anything, but you've poured out love and grace and kindness and compassion and community and provision and love on us. Gratitude begins with saying we worship you and we love you and we're here to follow you. Would you help me and all of my friends gathered here today and online to learn to walk in gratitude and to become just like you, full of joy and peace and thanksgiving. Lord, give us an attitude of gratitude. We pray this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, if you're joining us uh, or here or online and you're ready to take a next step of faith, maybe you want to become a follower of this Jesus. Maybe you want to get more involved at our church. We want to help you take your next step of faith. Just text the word next to the number on the screen or go to communityofhope.church slash next and we'll help you navigate that next step. We want to invite you and everybody here to come back next weekend. We're going to be starting a new series for Advent. We're calling Make Room and we're really excited about that. So make sure you come back next week for the beginning of that series. And so um, if you're able, would you please stand for our closing benediction? And let me pray over us our theme verse, Colossians 3.17. And it says this here. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go in God's peace, friends. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week.